Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it to Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural, urban, food producers, food consumers. Even wrote my column today about rural and urban from a biblical sense. It is, what day is it? Tuesday, the week of Christmas 2022, Jay checking in from the deep down in the Ozarks of Missouri. Andrew Henderson out on the prairie plains of Cheshire, England, eh? Yes, when actually in Manchester today, which is slightly outside Cheshire. It's its own little domain. It's a bit like, um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, is there some cities that, oh, suppose that the only city I know that's definitely like that is um, Washington, D.C. itself. It isn't in the state of Virginia, is it? It's, it's uh, the state no. of Columbia. Is that right? Is no, Columbia there is no state. state. District. It's the it's district, district of Columbia. Columbia. District. Yeah. yeah. So, well, Manchester's the same. It doesn't have a, a county. It's uh, it sits on its own. It has a mayor. It's like New York in many ways: high crime, poverty, and lefties running it. Very similar, really. Hey, Andrew, this is a result of yesterday's conversation with Hank Vogler, <clears throat> and because he's a homo sapiens shepherdero, that being a sheep herder, yeah. and he had a ranch hand named Sheep Dip. Um, <laughs> are you familiar with the? The whiskey called Sheep Dip. I am. I am. I've never tasted it, but I am. I am. I. I do. I. I do know that it exists. I've seen it in a bottle. I'm not a whiskey drinker, to be honest, Trent. I. I. I have had it. It's from England. That's probably why I've never had it. Because if it's a whiskey from England, it's probably um, bovine fecal matter. Um. I. I enjoyed it. And it's just, I mean, it's well, named Sheep Dip. Why would you not want something called Sheep Dip? No, well, but very, only, only, uh, no, only on this show can we get a Scottishman to condemn uh, <laughs> an English whiskey <laughs> that is no, supported by a guy from Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> That's Listen, hysterical. My, my fa- I am Scottish, but just to sh- tell you, it's nothing to do with my um, loathing for English whiskey. It's just it isn't. I'm assuming it won't be very good because the English whiskies I've tasted are not good. They're yeah. they're akin to a very poor bourbon, and um, but Irish whiskey on the other hand, where you know, and I'm not Irish, is some of the best whiskey I've ever tasted in my life. So there you go. It's not. It's yeah. not that I'm prejudiced. It's just I've never tasted a good English whiskey. Maybe sheep dip, which. You know, the, the name doesn't really give connotations of quality, but there you go. I'm just just saying that. Um, maybe that's the one that I should have tried. It's interesting because it started in 1974 in England, and then they somehow tried to transfer back to be a Scotch, and they wanted to be from Scotland. I think that was just to get a sale, and right. it's not owned by yeah. the original <clears throat> entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah. I, well, there I, you go. I did my research on sheep dip, but you got to try it. I mean, that's that's one of your New Year's resolutions, Andrew. I've got to try sheep dip. I'm, I'm, well, let's hope it's the whiskey variety because I don't really want to go for the normal variety of sheep dip. I don't think it'll do me any good whatsoever, <laughs> to be honest, but there you go. <laughs> well, you won't have any fleas. <laughs> I, they, they, I was, uh, yeah. I, I was just going to say. 
I was just gonna say about sheep. Yeah, no, I was just I was just gonna say that I think I actually uh, did a taste test of sheep dip uh, when I was like <laughs> about six. Um, but um, I'm pretty sure it wasn't the whiskey version. So, and it wasn't on they purpose. It, it was by it accident. Was. They, say that, they, they say that real sheep that stunts your growth. Well, there you go. Anyway, that would explain that. a lot for me. <laughs> anyway, how is the um, child trafficking and uh, fentanyl business there in the Ozarks? How's it going? It's doing well. It seems to be prospering well. <laughs> We've decided to add. We've decided to add money laundering and uh, and a few oh, other yeah. things as well. Yeah. So. Oh, by the way, what what's the latest on? I hear there's been a development this morning in the um some some Bankman Fried give the money to everybody in the Democratic Party plus Mitch McConnell case. Yeah. This morning, have you not seen that? I haven't. Uh, I haven't tracked it yet. This morning, I was busy reading some other legislation this morning to start my day. Well, your my news is that he's agreed to go into the Americans' uh, demands for extradition. Oh, sure. Um, and I'm pretty sure that could be a bad thing for the Democrats. Yeah. Have you? <laughs> well, I to be honest with you, I don't think he'll roll over. Um, I, I no. mean, they may, they're going to find, they already, I think they already know where the money's gone, right? That they can't really yeah. hide. They don't really need him. Uh, I don't think he'll roll over on anybody in particular, but I don't think that it matters. I he doesn't need to. Listen, does he? he doesn't need to. They've got the receipts, haven't they? So Andrew, yeah, right. I, I, in between, uh, across the pond, a roll route, I had somebody, John Bowen, send me the story that you're talking about. And while I haven't been through it in detail, here's what I can tell you right off the bat, that the companies, FTX companies, spent $44.2 million to Democrat candidates, $23.7 million to Republican candidates. That included donations to 54 Democrats, 109 Republicans, including 14 senators who weren't even campaigning. <laughs> yeah. No, really. Yes. Well, at the at the end of the day, you know, this is um, it's about it doesn't matter because they're both, you know, there's rhinos and and the Democrats are the same party in my opinion. But what's really really interesting is that it's not this. The key here is not the amount of money they pay to the politicians. It's where the money actually came from. Because are you are you aware now that sixty Euro MPs are now in being investigated it went from five to 60 this week on yeah. the money laundering yeah. um from qatar which again is linked to this ftx yeah. business yeah. and also linked to guess who Zelensky. that's the key to this that it's actually coming via ukraine that's going to be the real key to all this and i i can't quite see how the democrats are going to stop that coming out given that the uh, that the investigation is now being undertaken by um, European police forces as well. There I, you go. I, 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 again, I haven't read this in great detail, but John Boland sent it to me. And again, I'm talking about the story that's breaking about where the money went from the FTX campaigns. We often think it's just a Democrat issue, but he highly targeted members of the Agricultural Committee, both Ooh. Senate and House, and one of the great benefitors, 
benefactors, I guess would be the word, John Boozman, just south of Jay, the ranking member of the Senate Agricultural Committee, who had two, two Republican challengers in the primary, and they are crediting uh, Bankman Freud and his money for helping get kick the ball over the goal line. Ba- Debbie ba- Stabenow. Bankman Freud or Bankman Fried? I say. Fried, I think it's fried. Fraud. I think fraud he's. I just hope it's fried. That's what I hope. But hey, hey, but you you bring in something wider, Jay. What's your opinion on this? I've been beginning to think that um, we maybe have missed some a big story here as far as agriculture is concerned, which Trent has touched on. Um, what do you think are the chances that international, um feed manufacturers and uh, and uh, importers and exporters may well have been part of this massive movement of money around the world from a money laundering point of view. And I mean, it being very well structured, because it seems to me that you can you can clean money very easily by pretending it's you're moving agricultural goods. Does that sound likely to you? And he will answer that in full detail when we come back with the beginning of segment two. It's Raw Route, Jay Truett, Andrew Henderson. Money laundering through agriculture. Is that happening? No, not in America. More after this. Right off the bat today, again, want to remind you that I'm holding in my hand one of 60 books that have pictures and sayings from this very program. Almost everything in this book in terms of a caption of the picture I took come from Roll Route. A lot of Andrew, a lot of Hank, a lot of Trent. If you'd like to get one of it, I've now signed the 14th one. If you'd like to get number 15 of 60, call me. I will not send you a book unless we actually talk on the phone. So there's that. And that includes Robert Farnham. He couldn't get a book sent to him, I had to hand deliver it. I signed it right there in High Plains Cattle Supply while people were coming in to buy Christmas gifts and bags of feed and beet pulp and pork jerky. He's even got some loose pork jerky in there. I assume it's still there. The help, you never know, Darren might have eaten it all. Stop by, see what's happening with Robert at High Plains Cattle Supply. Check out the plethora of guns and ammunition. And it's just, uh, the environment is just fantastic. And the service, second to none. Full details about the book by getting a hold of me. Anything from High Plains Cattle Supply, you actually have to go to the store or call Robert. I don't know. Is there a website? Check it out. High Plains Cattle Supply in Brush, Colorado. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Lewis alongside Andrew Henderson, who just shipped me some money for a book, and Jay Truitt. All right, Jay, <laughs> you had uh, you had a question posed to you about feed distributed around the world and where the money comes from and what the money's for and what's your take on that from Andrew? Yeah, I I mean, is it possible? Absolutely. Is it possible? Uh, I don't think it'd be the easiest way to do it. Uh, just based on how we're actually uh, we're conducting those transactions today, most most of those uh, most of the major transactions involve letters of credit, where there's a real clear defined path for the funds to go on both sides, both okay. 
and and that literally doesn't have anything to do with even normal banking laws. It's basically to keep people from getting caught up in some sort of weird tariff or sanction um, that might be imposed on a um, one of the things we started doing about uh, really during the George W. Bush uh, administration was we begin to sanction individuals inside countries. And and so when you start doing uh, uh, when you sanction those individuals, you got to be a little more careful about where the money goes to even and prove that that chain of custody uh, before you can complete the transaction today. That's in most agriculture uh, exports are kind of exempted from a lot of those sanctions as well. So if you were going to pick an international commodity to do it, it would be uh, in today's world, it could be fertilizer or agriculture goods would be your most likely. But uh, in, in if, if you were talking about Russia, for example, that was your concern, or Russia was any way involved in the transaction, uh, no, I wouldn't believe that this was how that they did it, just because that is so scrutinized in real time as, as the transactions take place, it's not even funny. If, however, we were talking about uh, Turkey or even the Ukraine, then, you know, there's some, some possibilities because you could uh, wash that money through the U.N. And I, I think a lot I, of that, I, I, a lot I'm of what the U.N. does is washing money sometimes. I'm interested in what you're saying there because I, I do think it makes a lot of sense. The area I'm interested in, uh, Jay, would be the not-for-profit food transfers yeah. from for example um you know to the united nations that sort of transaction that the, the coffee from haiti all this sort yeah. of these weird and wonderful things that yeah. are politically oh, the so billions good, of dollars but, that goes to usaid well yeah and, and yeah. what yeah and, and literally yeah. what goes what goes through usaid is a drop in the bucket compared to the, what Andrew is talking about, which are the bigger offsets that actually even take place. So uh, to his point, we go down and we buy coffee from some, we call it, we say it's an individual farmer, right? Uh, yeah, but it turns yeah, out yeah. to be a, a, a small LLC called Folgers or somebody. Uh, and they turn around then and move that, donate that product uh, for a fee to the United Nations, who then sends it to somewhere else, and they turn it into cash when they sell it in that country or when it moves into that market. That is how you go yeah. about doing it. It's one of the ways. Uh, you, uh, you know, they've been caught doing something similar to that on lumber in the past. Uh, we've done it. Uh, it's been they've been caught at it on oil. Uh, well, we did it. The United States, one of the most infamous cases of where we were doing this, obviously, was when we were uh, our own government was involved in the drug trade uh, and and turning that into uh, money for weapons a couple of different times. Right. Uh, wow. wow. Iran Contra affair uh, being one of the most yeah. infamous cases. Yeah. But uh, yeah. the same thing happened in Afghanistan a couple of different times where uh, our own CIA got implicated in the drug trade uh, to create a weapons supply for uh, people who are trying to overthrow the Taliban. So you could, you could argue that they were doing it for all the right reasons. It was still the wrong thing to do. And uh, well, I, 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 my, it touched me. 
and I've got to be careful what I say now, but you know that I went as uh, part of our British trade mission sure. to China. Right. And I went with Theresa May on her plane when she was prime minister. And um, we, we ended up one day in the Beijing embassy. And then um, I've got to be very careful what I say. But I, I thought, hmm, these are pro there was products in there that weren't British. That was also very interesting. But you could almost sense that they were being placed there for a reason. There were certain products that really shocked me that were actually in that embassy being right. given to us, if you like. And I made, it made me think, what is going on here with, with regards to trade? Now, there was one person on our mission who um, wasn't British as well. He wasn't English. He was Irish. He was from Ireland. And um, it was really, really interesting because he was trying to sell infant formula to um, China. Okay, that was his reason for being on the flight. But subsequently, he has become... From a, and I know him personally, he has become a, an extremely successful businessman worldwide. He bought the, um, when I tell you this, you'll, you'll, this will start alarm bells. He bought the uh, Heinz milk factory in right. Kendall. Okay. And then all of a sudden, he's the answer to your infant formula problems in the US. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I find very interesting because he is also one of the biggest suppliers of infant formula, formula to the Chinese People's Republican Party. So there right. you go. Yeah. There's one really good bit of information I can tell you. And I'm thinking, how does that work? And where's the money going in that little agreement? Uh, that did allow me to go research uh, USAID, which is ultimately a government program. Budget for yep. 2022, 47.7 billion with a B. Yeah. Again, I would tell you that the volume of trade associated with USAID and FAO funds, because you got to combine them together. A lot of times they do things together, plus UN um, uh, aid funding and individual country funding on the others, uh, not from the United States, because we do almost virtually all of it through USAID or the UN uh, or FAO. Uh, but like uh, Great Britain does a lot of direct funding. Um, the Netherlands does a lot of direct funding. Um, you see it coming out of Germany, France, Spain, et cetera. Um, the, when, when you add all those numbers up, um, 47 billion is a uh, drop in the bucket. Uh, I would I would guess the number is probably approaches somewhere around 200 billion dollars a year in food food aid benefit that is shifted around the world. Wow. Yeah, and I got a lot of that data that you're talking about when um, our friend Kip Tom uh -huh. was sure. in yep. the FAO. Yep. FAO and the World Food Program and and what was going on with that. One of the few times well, that I actually felt good about what F FAO's direction was when Kip Tom was involved. Right, and he literally is one of the handful of people that I've trusted in that in that slot for a long time. I, I hate to be that way, but um, he he called no. a lot of called a lot of strikes when everybody else was calling them balls for a lot of years. Or yeah, for a couple which, of years well, there. Which is why he left with a tremendous amount of frustration. But yeah. he, he, he was infectious because you knew that he really wanted to help 
lead people. And that, and it was so obvious when you spoke to him, I think that it just, every pore of his body was saying that he was the real deal. Yeah. And that, it comes across when you interview him, to be fair. But um, it's, no, but back to, back to Andrew's point, though, on this, and it shouldn't get lost, is that, so the, the, the other way that you can provide aid, and Europeans are better at this than Americans, and I, I used to criticize America. Don't because, say that to Trent. Don't, don't say that no. to Trent. It so, really does so just, the bear that, you know. Yeah, I know. You know. But just but just bear with me for a little bit. In my experience, <laughs> uh, I did I did some contracts where I worked with entities that were receiving that money to make sure that they were worthy of receiving that money. Right? That yeah. was one of the things that I've done in life personally on the ground to see where the money was actually ending up to make sure that it wasn't being used for at the time, human trafficking was one of the, the main things that we were interested in in trying to stop. But with that said, um, the Europeans are great at um, saying, okay, we'll also have our private companies come in and do investments in your country if you'll let us do it this way, if you'll agree to do it this way. And in the past, it was we want you to adopt the EU regulatory scheme for food safety and, and imports and exports, right? And so a lot of countries would fold to that automatically. That's where, I, that's where I'm telling you that the, the real money comes in. Because- Yeah, we're out. Jay Truett, Andrew Henderson, second half after this. Now let's talk about the coal business, really about electric, about power, about the people behind making it possible. Lignite.com is the place to get all of the information. I mean, the personal side of the people that keep the lights on, it's pretty incredible what Lignite has put together. Go check it out. Lignite.com. Life powered by coal. Welcome back, Trent Loose, Roll Route, Andrew Henderson, Jay Truitt. And during that break, guys, I got the horrible news. The 4,000-page ominous spending bill was released overnight. I don't know what's all in the 4,000-page bill, Jay, you may know. But what I do know is that the corrupt politicians, including Mitch McConnell at the lead, did include the HISA Act even though it's been ruled unconstitutional, they modified it in a way that they know that it's unconstitutional, and they once again are trying to railroad this through and have eliminated the comment period for the FTC just to make this rule go. It, yeah. it, it's just the epitome of everything wrong so, in today's legislative process. They have, have they passed the bill, though? No. No, it was released. And they, the they word is that, this package. So listen, this package is going to pass, though. Yeah. The package that is there it has 200 and it already has 261 um, co-signers in the House at this point. Um, goodness me. And so goodness it's, me. A, it's a done deal. My goodness. What a terrible, terrible state but, of affairs. You, but do you, not you, take that as a defeat. You have two reasons to call Senator Mike Rounds now, and it, no matter what state you're in, call your senators, your your representatives, and let them know that this kind of dark of the night politics is not suiting you. Yeah, they need to hear it, from you. 
It's and and honestly, so that people know the actual number of pages when they put paper in their printer to print it, it's four thousand one hundred and fifty-five pages. So I'm one of the I'm one of the uh, what I consider probably to honestly still be the uh, uh, two handfuls of people that actually read the Affordable Care Act, known as Obamacare, right? Maybe one of the biggest pieces of legislation that we had ever passed at one point. It was. Uh, half the size of this spending bill in 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 thickness yeah and, and to can, can, can a new house can a new house not say you know you passed it but we we, we need can they not pass another bill that says it's it's a, 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 a gracious it's 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 wrong yeah. can they not do yeah. that? no you can you can pass a piece of legislation to strip it in the same form that you passed it to enact it. It's not permanent. There's no such thing as permanent law unless it's a constitutional uh, amendment. Um, okay, so there's so, a, there is a, there's hope then. There is yeah, hope. people, is people use the term permanent or law or temporary law or temporary spending, et cetera, et cetera. It's all temporary. Everything is temporary. Right. Everything can be changed uh, in the system, but it takes, it's a monumental lift. and. I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to be a, a defeatist here, right? So I, I just want everybody to understand exactly who your real opposition uh, turns out to be on the matter. And again, in this particular case, um, you have the leaders, uh, everyone involved in leadership uh, has been a longtime supporter of, of this particular package, except for uh, Kevin McCarthy and Scalise, and so yeah, Kevin McCarthy. I've seen, I've seen that he's out against it, but I didn't know whether that was real or not because I, you know, he's, I trying, really, to, he's yeah. trying to become, he's trying to become House Speaker, so he could say anything at the moment. But that's on both sides of the aisle, right? I mean, eh, it, there's been the the Jockey Club, which started this whole initiative, and the folks in the, from the Breeders' Cup world uh, in in the horse business. Um, started this effort way back when They're, they originally hired uh, uh, Haley Barber's firm, um, a lobbying firm in Washington, D.C. I happen to know that because at the time my wife was Haley Barber's assistant and worked at that. Wow. Firm. And uh, I was the I was one of the three lobbyists that were opposing it in Washington, D.C. at the time. And you have to sit across the table from, I mean, for goodness sakes, the first time we went to the meeting, they hired Bo Derrick the, the really? to be their <laughs> lobbyist. And she's a really effective lobbyist, number one. She is a beautiful woman, right? And uh, the yeah. one of the lobbyists that was sitting next to me in the meeting, when we get in there and we sat down, we look across the table and he just looked at me and he goes, you're going to lose this one. <laughs> you, you know that you know you've already lost it with me to be yeah, there you, go. You, you know there was a day that i was going to i was gathering horses and hauling them to santa barbara county and had the exact address of her house and i was yeah. hauling horses to her house to dump them in the yard and i got a phone oh. call from the santa barbara sheriff who said Mr. Luce, I understand that you're planning to enter my county and illegally dump horses out in anybody's yard. I just want you to know that if you do that, you will become a resident of Santa Barbara County and not be free to leave. Yeah. 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 So she's quite strong. Yeah. So, so 
so your face was shut, as they say in Scotland. But, you, but didn't, Trent, you didn't leave the horses. I did not. Trent, I did not leave cool, the horses. You would have got a. You'd have got a cool new outfit, you know. You, orange is the new yeah. black. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and he said, and, and he, he went on to say, and furthermore, your little stunt would not be as effective because currently she's out of the country. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh. and, you know, again, I, 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 listen. I will, I will say this, um, uh, even for for her and some of the people involved. I understand. Uh, she turned out to be a really nice lady, right? And uh, and she's conservative, did, by the way. Yeah, and she is, right? And, and on a, from a political standpoint, we could sit there and talk about yeah. plenty things during the day. And she agreed with us. She even helped us on some other matters from a public policy standpoint. Haley Barber is not a rhino Republican. He's not. Uh, he just isn't. Now, he has some partners in his firm that are, but he is not. And... Right. And they decided, though, to choose this issue, this animal welfare thing um, and, and how animals were going to be uh, considered in the uh, in comparison to human beings transcends the most bizarre boundaries that there are. I'm not trying to defend the law. I'm just trying to defend the fact that people see this a little bit differently. And when you approach them about it, you need to understand that for them they're they're not going to have the same perspective people if you want to lobby this successfully i can't tell you how because i've failed at it several times but i know all the ways it doesn't work jay them in the nose won't work at this point you're going to have to remove them from office you've headed down a very important path because you know i've been passionate about this for the last 30 days not only because I am an enthusiast for horse racing, not only because I sit on the racing and gaming commission for the state of Nebraska, but because what is happening is that we have legislation coming and mandating a level of regulation with zero, zero money authorized to help with that level of regulation simply to end the industry of horse racing. That's really what it's about. Right. And it's not just about horse racing. It's no, about it's animal not. ownership. And if they can yeah. accomplish this in horse racing, which everybody thinks, and what they've done is they've gone around this term doping and say, we've got to get doping under control in horse racing. Right. Really? What, what is the doping situation in horse racing? I'd like somebody to just lay it out and show me what's going on exactly, because right. this is just the avenue to, right. gain the, to generate the sentiment to stop animal ownership. No, the key, the, Listen, and, and this is this is truly what people need to understand uh, is the longer term agenda. The longer term agenda here is to assign a value to a sector of livestock in the United States that makes them no longer livestock. That's right. what this is really about. 100%. They, the, their real intent uh, behind the people well, that are that are pushing this in the in the most aggressive ways is to stop allowing us to breed animals artificially, stopping us from breeding animals uh, solely for the purposes of reproduction the way we want it to happen. They, they, they want them all to be turned out. And, the, and this all boils back. It, the original concept started inside of PETA, which was Ingrid Newkirk and all of her uh, radical uh, fanatics that made the that live by a 
credo, which is a rat is a pig, is a dog, is a boy. And you can't, you, it, you can try to cover this lots of ways. And I've known horse can lobbyists. I, can, I, got, can, I, can, this. I say, Go. can I just say something, though? They're, they're actually taking you down a path which, in the end, might be in your favor. Because very, very soon, and you and I, Trent, know this, or I think you know this, the World Economic Forum are about to try and persuade people to euthanize their pets because of global warming. Oh yeah, they've the, I think, the request has already come, been put together. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I I really do think that this is all going to come boomerang back in the faces of these people that are trying to push this because um, that's a bear you don't want to prick. Nah. Well, except that, listen. What you will find when you get deep inside the most extreme of these animal uh, activist groups is you will find that they might. Uh, many of them, Sierra Club has, as, uh, as an example, has as a part of its charter, as a part of its charter document, to reduce the population of animals that emit CO2. Gee. And so you have to actually think through what that, what that really means. Well, what's an easy way to do it? Do you want to kill people or animals? Well, then you're forcing them to make a really difficult choice because a lot of those groups see them the same. They don't see humans as a higher life form. This is just, uh, they're just another life form. And, well, and, and, and so and, it is what it is. And in closing this mm -hmm. segment, I just remind people that two animal rights organizations, just two, the two top money earners, have annual revenues of a half a half a billion dollars, five hundred million dollars wow. annually in revenue, folks. That does not come from animal rights sympathizers in the United States. That comes from out of country money trying to remove our ability to own animals. Because if they do that, they control the people. That is what it's really about. It has nothing to do with animals. It has everything to do with controlling your life. We're back with the last segment of Roll Out after this. I want to talk about Protect the Harvest, and we're talking about a free and fed America. That's the bottom line. How do we maintain a free and fed America? We empower the citizens to stand up for our rights. And what we're talking about right here is right up the alley of what Protect the Harvest has been doing, ensuring that the animal rights community does not continue to influence policymakers to eliminate our ability to own animals and own property. That, at the end of the day, is the problem, and that is what I suggest you have help get solved. Details about all of that can be found on the website and how you can be empowered and get information on a regular basis. I'm talking about a daily email newsletter at protecttheharvest.com. A free and fed America does not just happen. We have to continue to enable that, and it requires you to get active. Protecttheharvest.com. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Lewis alongside Andrew Henderson in the UK, Jay Truitt, wishing he was in the UK. He'd like to be back in London right now. Would he? Why would you want to be in London? London I made that up. That's no, I'd love to be in London. I, I enjoyed London greatly. I used to love London, but I'll tell you now, you'll be very surprised. It's a really? ghost town. Yeah. yeah. And it's, um, it's not just that. It's the whole infrastructure, it's dirty. It's it's just not the place you'd recognize, Jay. It's really sad. 
Un unchecked immigration will do that to you. Yeah. Every, by the way, everything I'm seeing at your border is happening at our border, as you know. Um, and at the end of the day, um, and we're allowing young men who I believe are being trained in Turkey, like you're having young men come in who are being trained in, trained in Venezuela and various other places. We're all the same cake here. We're, we're having the same um, treatment. Um, but, you know, people are beginning to, to, to question it and in a huge way. And, and that's why I said to Trent yesterday that Nigel Farage is, is now the most watched politician in the UK on his news show. Nobody else is getting anywhere near the amount of coverage this guy thinks. So it, it, it's, uh, it's really good. One of the, interestingly, one of the things that I do, this is like a tiny rabbit hole, but one of the things that I do every morning when I first wake up is I pull up what were some of the rating factors for the news stories over the last two or three days, right? Because in my world, yep. whether we like it or not, the media still influences what is, what's going to oh, uh, yeah. push in the oh, sure. And Tucker Carlson's one o'clock rerun outranked all three primetime shows for CNN combined. Well, I'll tell you something. What he's been saying in the last three days is absolutely, I mean, it's it's right on the money. And, it, and, and just I, on that, what do you, what do you think is going to happen in this trial um, that now is going to take place in Maricopa? Yeah. What do you think will happen? Uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see how it actually plays out. She lost. So there was really three yeah. items that she needed to get on. One of them was to the invalidation of the signatures uh, that came in on a bunch of mail ballots. And uh, that was a chain, but, but she's she's got the chain of custody one. That's the one she's got, isn't it? Yeah, she got the chain of custody one, and she got the fact that they maybe intentionally uh, disrupted the printer, the printing of a bunch of documents. Uh, so. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I know, I know it's I only know two out of 10 it's a county, it's a county superior court, right? And which a county superior court is like a big regional court in most states. If when you look at Arizona, because they just have what, like six counties, something like that. And, uh, for the entire state, but uh, Maricopa County is a big one for sure. But, um, uh, We'll see. It's a good precedent. I'm glad she's doing it. Even if uh, even if she loses the case, um, she's she's won the, she's won part of the battle here for us. I, 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 the reason I'm saying this to you is because what what I'm what I'm led to believe, looking at what I see on Telegram, is that they may well have proof that um, one of the people involved. They've got a whistleblower that one of the people involved has actually. Got there is correspondence that they've inter they've interjected on what they were going to do on voting day. So she has, I believe, she's got material proof that um, they did actually uh, try to, to call, call me Samuel the skeptic, Andrew. But if she actually had that proof, you wouldn't know it, and it wouldn't come out until the trial itself. Well, she's actually told she's actually told CPAC that she's got that evidence. Uh, I I stand by my statement. The, okay. you know, though, to the point, and, and I know you guys talked a little bit about it this uh, earlier today on yep. uh, across the pond, yep. but uh, the I, I watched the January 6th uh, committee yesterday, and, and I'm going to oh, tie it back together. 
I, I watched that, and I was kind of embarrassed for him, honestly. Uh, so was I. I mean, it, it, was, no a, it was a terrible thing. But uh, <laughs> but the big win, but the big win for us now is, and I I know this is like a painful way to go through this, but the biggest oh, yeah. win for us is that now we get to have uh, the opportunity to uh, uh, review the documents, do FOIA uh, requests, um, do subpoenas, Disclosure. and depositions. Disclosure. Yeah, depositions for both sides now have to occur. And it's illegal to lie to a federal agent yeah. regardless of the side of the coin you're on. And I yeah. think uh, if the, uh, the, the one thing Mr. Trump has done a poor job, the poorest job of, has been yeah. hiring a lawyers over the last yeah, that's few true. years. And he's going to hire the right I can lawyer. imagine it would be very difficult for him to do it, though. I could imagine, Maybe. given the, the corruption that there is, yeah. it was very difficult for him to do it. But you are absolutely right because, you know, it, I know you, what Trent says, you know, where is the evidence? Well, the evidence on the January 6th one is so obvious now that, you know, they, they, they can just ride a coach and horses through. What, what he's been indicted for. And right. I hope they arrest him. I, I actually think they will arrest him. Nah. And I hope they do. Because if they do, it's going to be <laughs> the funniest. That it's going to be, he's going to have his day in court and win everything. But anyway. Well, but sad, so sadly, the best way to, to cover up, uh, somebody at the Department of Justice will realize what I just said is true if they haven't already. And they'll never bring, they, they'll never actually indict him. Oh, okay. Oh, you're normally right about these things. Yeah. And I hope you are right about that one. No, I, uh, again, I would, I would, I would almost prefer that they indict him and so would to I. start the, the prosecution just so that they could go through the process. But I, I don't think it'll ever happen. I, I do think, however, though, in Maricopa County, just to like complete that circle just a tiny bit. The, uh, yeah. to, to the point that Trent made, the very best thing that can happen is, is that you have the trial where the evidence literally is presented. Uh, yes. Not where it's discussed in social media or in the media no, or no, no, yeah. and, and hotheads yeah, yeah. on the hill, uh, but yeah. where literally we well, see a judge look at a piece of paper and say yes or no. And that piece well, of paper, I, I, once it's submitted, is evidence and it's been seen by more than one person then. So it's also going to be it's also going to be a jury. It's a jury yeah. uh, session. It's a jury trial. So uh, it is quite amazing what she's what she's achieved, and and she's also said that if they if they throw it out, she's going to go all the way to the well, Supreme well, Court. Man, so. Why is a jury trial amazing, Andrew? Because I always thought that on a um, it's not a criminal offense. It's a, it's a um, it's a civil offense, isn't it? At the moment. And I didn't realize that you had juries for civil offenses. I didn't realize that. We, I don't think we do. We only have juries for criminal offenses. Yeah. Well, tomorrow on my Trent on the Loose, I'm interviewing Joey Carter. Um, yeah. And he was convicted by on a civil case. And he wasn't convicted. Smithfield was. He was the, the, the casualty in it. But that was a jury trial in North Carolina. That, that, that's not uncommon. Yeah. Well, you, you have this peculiar thing where, uh, the um, the the prosecution and the defence uh, barristers or lawyers are allowed between them pick the jury, and so you have all this shenanigans of throwing jurors out, and that that can't happen in the UK. Um, 
the, the jury is a is a, a mixture of all races and religions and you get what you take you get 12 people and no um uh, uh barrister has any way of, uh, of of determining the makeup of that jury yeah so sounds like russian roulette a little bit well it uh, may well be you you think that but you're because you're thinking you should look at individuals and if you had 12 black people on a jury that means that a white person would be convicted you see, that's not quite how it would happen in the UK because we don't have that racial divide. My, we my thought we're not even aligned with racial at all. It was people that have a bias because of some personal experience. Right. Ah, but you make sure that the court, the one thing you can't do in court in the UK, if you take, if you take a, you take a lead, a, a, an oath, you have to have uh, given, you were already under oath that you have no knowledge of that case. You left that part out. I'm going to tell you that. But Just but also, that um, if you're a woman that has been a victim of rape, you're going to evaluate you'd, you'd have to, a, a rape. You'd have to declare that in a rape case. You'd have to declare that. You would be okay, well, a rape, a rape Somebody's a rape doing the work of the barrister for you is what you're telling us. No, you're, you're told that you're told what sort of case you're going to be given, and then you have to say. If you're All right. So in the last interest. two minutes, guys, we need to focus on Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Because I don't so, know what we've talked about in this segment. It's going to help Christmas for anybody. No, maybe not. Well, wait, I, I do think I do think that uh, it's imperative certain times of the year that we take just like a minute and take a breath. And uh, I know it's a cliche statement, but to remember the reason for the season and yeah. uh, what it really is all about. And uh, uh, for those people that don't share the same belief system that I do, it doesn't mean that um, they need to be excluded from uh, the ability um, to share some of those same values towards other people who are uh, uh, less fortunate than them. Well, our our belief, Jay, is and our, our religious belief is that we show love whether they are on our side or not. Yep. And love Absolutely. and compassion and understanding. And Jesus represents the unity of all things on earth. Yep. It's supposed to be so, about. Yep. It, I, uh, again, I'm always, uh, I have uh, uh, my business partners uh, share different religious beliefs and right. And I've worked with a lot of people that share re different religious beliefs and some that didn't share any at all. And I do think that there's a certain time of the year when we can, we can reach, there's some things we should be able to agree upon and, and showing compassion and love for uh, fellow mankind. This is one of those weeks that we can look for for ways to do. I think that. everybody, every, everybody can sign up to that, Jay. Whether yeah. you're a, a Christian, a, a Muslim, or a whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you believe in in God, this is your time, and this is. Yep. And that will be the last word of the day for Andrew Henderson, Jay Truitt. I'm Trent Lewis. All three of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a joyful roll route. See you in see you in Christmas and New Year, folks. Bye. And if you still need a Christmas present or idea and want some very nutrient dense protein, go to certifiedpiedmontese.com. The Lone Creek Cattle Company system has the brand of beef, a program called Certified Piedmontese. Check out the holiday specials. I think if you do it right now, you still have time to get the order in before Friday. 
Will they be delivering on Saturday? I don't know. That's up to you. It's a, you just go to the website, certifiedpiedmontese.com, and if you're a Great Plains cattleman and you're not happy with getting what the commodity prices are paying you, maybe you need to go to LoneCreekCattleCo.com and see what a $180 coupon is worth and what it takes. Details online, LoneCreekCattleCo.com. If you're a consumer and want to know about the beef, or there's some pork, even some lamb on there, Lone Creek. No, that's certified. Piedmontese.com. Too much, too much.